to heaven right now. Thank you, mighty God, for your holy presence that comes and fills this room. Because you inhabit the praises of your people. So come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We are here for you. We are here to worship you. We are here to glorify you. We are here to magnify you. We are here to hear from you. We are here to change by the power of your great Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in this place. I thank you that you're uniting us by your Spirit. That we might come in as one or as two, but we don't stay that way. We are connected in the Spirit. Because wherever your presence is, unity is forged. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love. Your steadfast love endures forever. From everlasting to everlasting, we worship you. We give you glory. And we thank you for what you're going to do here tonight. Pray you bless every person whatever they've come in with, Lord. Thank you, you see. It's your loving kindness that's brought them to heal, to restore, to set free. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, you can be seated. It's good. <laughs> How are we? Awesome. Who's enjoying the warm weather? If you were here earlier, what did you say, Pastor Tony? <laughs> so imagine what hell's going to be like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We won't know. Uh, it's good to be with you. and Welcome to everyone. And um, you're in for a great night. I'm excited. Uh, some exciting news from Brazil. Uh, they updated us about the house that um, everyone gave so generously towards. We raised all the money uh, we needed to get that construction underway. And they sent us a progress video, and it's about 20% complete. So we're going to roll that video, and um, we'll take a look.
Oh. I think the dimensions are a bit out. We're going to give it another try. There we go. Praise the Lord. Give yourselves a hand. How good is that? That family is going to have a house in a few months. They reckon it will be done in two or three months. And um, thanks to everyone who gave. So generous of you. And um, just to think uh, that family is going to be so blessed. They're going from a worse than a tin shed to a nice brick home with a few bedrooms, proper kitchen, three bedrooms, bathroom it's and they're you know it's a single mum with uh five kids so um thanks to everyone who gave and that's the 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 gospel truly came to that woman and to see her cry tears of joy in brazil i don't think it was necessarily just because she was getting a home built for her it's because she saw that the gospel was true and that Jesus saw her and loved her and came into her world to bless her, to restore her and to give her uh, something she could only have dreamed of and a future for her kids. So praise God. We're going to um, roll another video um, about that and then um, Pastor Tony is going to come up. Hello. Isn't that good, eh? Well, I'm the only one excited, eh? That little girl there, just the reason why I played that, there's a few other little videos that we got, but that little girl there is now, from your wonderful giving and by the gospel being preached, her life will change. See, that little girl there now, and if you don't understand, they're, they're actually living behind that job site in the same shack. So the shack's still there. So they're staying there while they're building it. And um, they're going to go from a chicken coop to a three-bedroom home, running water, running sewer. And their life will change, amen. And um, it's awesome because the gospel was preached to them. Their son got baptised before all this. They're, I think it was eight, eight-year-old. And, um, and to see what God can do, you know, Sometimes the need is so great that you just don't do nothing. Sometimes you see that it's just too big of a jump or, or it's, it's just too hard. So what, what's my little, you know, drop in the ocean going to do? It's like someone knocked on my door once and said, we're taking a donation uh, to fill up the local swimming pool. 
So I gave him a glass of water. <laughs> Some of you will get it in about an hour. But, uh, but it takes it without that first drop. <laughs> He'll never fill up the pool. And, you know, we know what's going on in the world. You know? We believe that God's going to touch that family. And we're building something, not just a house, but we're building the kingdom of God within that family. So she doesn't end up sold into slavery. She doesn't end up in prostitution. Doesn't end up broken. Doesn't end up messed up because all she's ever seen is poverty. All she's ever seen is brokenness. All all she's ever seen is sin. But the kingdom of God has come to them now. Amen? And, you know, keep them up in your prayers and, and... as time goes on, we'll do more videos. That music is terrible. It looks like it's something from Amway or something, you know, like it's trying to sell soap and detergent. I told the guy in Brazil, it sounds like elevator music from Grace Brothers. He goes, what's Grace Brothers? Because they don't have Grace Brothers. <laughs> so tonight, everyone good? Um, last week we shared the, with the message we were still going about the crown and the thorns and we spoke about the crowns and what that symbolises when Jesus was the, 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 the thorns were on his head, speaking of, you know, taking on the curse, breaking the carnal mind. He who knew no sin became sin, and we, we went through all that. But today I want to talk about the crown of glory. Now we know that we have these shirts. My good mate here gave me a, a hoodie. It says, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Do we know what a king is? Nobody. Or the Lord of Lords? So tonight I want to share with you, not so much about Jesus being our king, because he was the king of the Jews. He's coming back as the king of the Jews. On his cross, they put the king of the Jews in three different languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And they were prophesying who he really is. Jesus has a kingdom. He says the kingdom of God is preached. In order to have a kingdom, you need to have a king. Jesus is the king of... Remember when Pontius Pilate said to him, are you a king? Because my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is a king. Contrary to what people think, and people have this, this notion that, well, if Jesus was God in the flesh and he is a king and he's a lord and he has all power, how can they kill him? The Jews were looking for a messiah in the kingly anointing, like David. That's why the blind man was calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't saying that, you know, it doesn't mean that Jesus was the son of David, literally, but he was from the lineage of David. It's a figure of speech showing, we are waiting for one to come from that lineage of David, the true king, that one day he would be the king of kings. And that was Jesus. But they saw, they had an image of the Messiah coming, with a mighty power as a soldier and a warrior and a king to to overrun Rome. See, we have the image of God based on our situation and circumstances. See, Moses had an image of God when he took the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness. The closeness, the, the relationship that Moses had, no matter where he was, he just wanted to be with God. The others were just waiting to see what God would do for them. And at different times... Of the Bible, every people groups had a different interpretation of what God should be to them, because what, what they were going through. 
Isn't that like us sometimes? If we're on cloud nine, God is our provider. He's the best. When we're suffering, God, you need to heal me. Or if I've a, got a need, God, you need to provide my needs. Or we, we have a, an image of God based on our situations and circumstances. And that's okay because we need to know if I need help, if I need a healer, Jesus is my healer. If I need provision, Jesus is my provider. If I need comfort, Jesus is my comforter. But ultimately, we sway and move according to our situation and not according to who he really is. He's Lord of all, whether I'm sick or whether I die, he's Lord. He's my healer, whether I get healed or don't get healed. He's Lord, whether I've got money in my account, my provider, or I haven't got money. It does not based on my situation. It's based on who he really is. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Can we say amen? amen. He doesn't change. The Israelites came out of Egypt and Moses says, wait here. They saw miracles. See, miracles don't change people's lives. And I've seen plenty of them. And we need to see more of them because the kingdom of God, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the gospel. We need to see God's hand move. But if you're all, all you're looking for is a miracle because they saw the, the Red Sea part. They saw the angel of death fly over. They saw the manna from heaven. They saw quails. They saw water coming from a rock. They saw snakes biting them and they got healed when they looked at the broad. They saw all these miracles and all they did, when, as soon as Moses went to get the Ten Commandments or he went too long or, you know, where's Moses gone? He's probably dead now. Let's just make a golden calf and call it God and worship God. And what you don't realise is they just didn't worship a golden calf. They got drunk and had orgies. That's why he, God says, this? Moses must have said, you went and saved these people? And God was saying, see, they took God and brought him into the image of a calf. Sometimes we can reduce God to the image that we want him to be. We may not be doing that, but how low have you reduced God? Or Jesus in the finished work of the cross? See, I preach a very big God and a very small devil. He's real, he's out to get you, and if he can, he will. But we need to know who good, how big our God is compared to how little the devil is. Because the more we say, well, the devil made me do it, and I have no responsibility. You know, people say to me, oh, the devil made me do it. Yeah, it's probably true, but what authority did you give him? What responsibility is on me and you? You know, oh... I got manipulated. I got what was in you that could be manipulated. <laughs> Very quiet here. <laughs> What's in me that gets swayed every time? Oh, the devil is coming after me. Yeah? Well, what door have you not closed yet? But see, I want to show you today the glory of the Lord. The Bible says that in the Old Testament, they used to do some uh, sacrificial offerings. There was the love offering, the guilt offering, the sin offering, the peace offering, and there was another offering, which I forgot. There was five. Five is the number of grace. Remember last week we spoke about David getting five smooth stones out of the river. They weren't always smooth, those stones. They were rough. They had edges on them. But as they stayed into the river of the anointing, the river speaks of the word of God, the anointing of God. And they would have came and tumbled and rubbed off each other and banged each other. And when David finally got the stones, they were at the bottom of the bank ready to be used by God because all the rough edges had been chipped away. See, if I don't stay in his presence, in his word, and flow with his anointing, I'll have rough edges. You want to be used by God? Put your hand up. 
You might say, well, I'm not in the ministry. Well, you got kids to raise? Put your hand up. If you've got business to, to run, put your hand up. You can go feed more people like this little girl and build more houses like this little girl. Maybe that's on your heart. Put your hand up. See, we need the anointing of God. We need the, 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 the rubbing of the edge. See, if you're uncomfortable in the church, that's good because God's chipping away at your edges. The minute you want to be comfortable, go to a church to get comfortable. Guess what happens? I tell you what you want to hear and 10 years from now, you'll be messed up more than you are today. Why? I'm not trying to upset you. We're not trying to stuff you around. We're not trying to make you uncomfortable. But unfortunately, who knows that we are from the natural earth and we are sinful in creation. Not in creation, in, in the sense that we have a sin nature inside of us that does not want to die. So God wants to elevate us and let our inner man, who's the new nature that's been born of God, to rise up above. Now, we spoke about the headship. The head represents what? The, the crowns represented the curse on his head like a crown. Took the carnal mind, the cursed mind, the, the natural mind. Everything comes from our mind, true? What we think, what we see, what we smell, what we say, what we hear. And God's trying to change our minds. Repentance means to change your mind. See, you can be sorry, but not repent. You can be sorry. Most people are sorry when they get caught. <laughs> or, you get, or, or you find out you're doing something wrong until you get busted. We're all sorry when we're when we, when parents. Come here, did you do that? And you go, I saw you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But two minutes earlier, I wasn't sorry until I realized that he knew that I did it. So I'm, now I'm sorry. <laughs> but repentance means to change your mind. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need the new mindset, guys. So the crowns that we're going to talk about today is not just the crown of thorns. It's the crown of glory that God's going to give us. Amen? There's five crowns that I sort of, you walk through the scriptures. And there's the imperishable or the incorruptible crown. There's the crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of life. There's five. So let's go on a little bit of a journey to see. But I want to see if you can see the common denominator here. Because the crown that we receive is not, it, it, it speaks of a crown. But what is a crown? Let's, let's go back a step. When, when Paul speaks about the crown, in the Greek, it means a badge of royalty, a badge of royalty, a prize in a public game, or a symbol of honour generally. Who's ever seen those old um, Greek uh, Roman Olympics? And when he wins, the, the winner would have a, a reed of crowns on his head. Seen them? Just like a reed. And that was considered the crown that they won. And Paul uses that analogy that you've got to fight the good fight. Fight. You've got to finish the race. Paul says, I've fought the good fight. I want to finish the race. I've kept the faith. And now awaits of me a crown of glory. Amen? So the crown represents who you are. See, God wants to give you a new mindset to know who you are. Because your greatest battle today is what you think. It's how you think of yourself, how you think of what Jesus has done for you, and how you think of one another. It's true. Most of your problems is not going to be solved by laying of hands. Although I believe in that. 
or casting out devils because I believe in that. And or it's going to be about cleaning up your backyard. I heard this statement today. Clean up your backyard. Clean up your bedroom. Shut the doors. Shut the things that the voices in your mind that tells you the opposite of what Christ says about you. See, any power the devil's got is what you give him. So let's have a look at this. Amen. So crown number one, the imperishable crown or the un- uh, non-corruptible crown. First Corinthians. Chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Paul is talking and and he's using this analogy. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? There goes your participation awards. (laughs) Paul's not giving any participation awards or everyone gets a medal. Only one wins. But these days, eh, anyway. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, the prize that is. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, uh, temperate in all things, which means they're very, they, they've trained, they're studying, they're, they know what they want. They want to win the prize. There's no way to it, all right? Now they do it and obtain a perishable crown. So, but we, for an imperishable crown. So Paul's using an analogy of an Olympic runner or a race that he's running. And he sets away everything. He's trained so hard. He's so focused to win that race. Only one's going to win. But they do that, right? They do that to get a crown that perishes, a prize that perishes. But here he says, but what our crown does not perish. Next verse. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. In other words, I'm not just clutching at straws. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm very certain on what I'm doing now. See, we're very certain on the direction God's taking us. We're not winging this. We're not pretending. Do we know everything that God's got for us? No. But he has asked us to do something and we're going towards the mark. The prize of the higher calling. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. See, if I'm not established to hear what God's vision is for my life, what do I do? I go left, I go right, I go up, I I don't know where I'm going. But when I understand what God has spoken to me, no matter what everyone else is doing, See, when a runner runs, he doesn't look at the left, he, doesn't look at, he just looks straight ahead. He doesn't get distracted. Paul's saying here, I know, I'm, I'm persuaded on what God's asked me to do. And I don't care what everyone else is doing, I'm going to stick to what God's called me to do. I'm not clutching at straws, I'm not shadow boxing, I'm not wasting my time. I know where I'm going. Next verse. But I discipline my body and bring it into sub- subjection, least when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. You know what he was saying here? He was saying, I am, I am preaching, I am living out what I'm preaching. I'm not saying one thing and living another. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to disqualify myself from the race because I'm living one way and then saying it's something else. He took it seriously. He says, I bring my body into submission. Another translation says, I crucify my flesh to a point where it's got no say. Hello, fasting. Hello, spending time with the Lord. I'm going to shut the mouth of my flesh because my desire is not to be here. Bondi Beach is looking really good right now. With my body, maybe Coogee, all right? Maybe Parramatta Lake when there's no one there. But anyway, you get the point, all right? Are you fat shaming me? Well, that's it. 
See, I have come to the conclusion right now, after 21 years, so I'm a slow learner, <laughs> that I don't care what anyone else is doing, I've got to stay on the mark. I've got to stay faithful to what God's called me to do. Because here he says, I will receive a crown that does not perish. Now we look at this as futuristic, like it is, because we get rewards. See, this is not saying you'll lose your salvation if you don't get to the mark. This is saying that when I get to heaven one day and realise, wow, I let, I let everything else consume me. And it may not be sin even. It just could be the life consume me. And I sit before the Lord and I saw what he had for me in heaven, in his kingdom, and I let it go. Because Paul knew exactly what he wanted from God. God had promised him. Because the word tells us. And here he's saying the, the, the non-perishable crown. Can I say it this way? The crown I'm talking about to you today is what is... Forget, it, forget the crown for a minute. Forget the fact that it's a crown because you're not all going to be ordained kings tonight, all right? And queens and princesses and all that, all right? Leave that for the monarchy or she's gone. The crown I'm talking about is the mindset of Christ. Do you do things for eternity or do this just for now? Do you live your life for eternity? I'm not talking about just heaven. I'm talking about for eternal value. We're building a house for these people. Someone might have gave for the sake of giving. Someone might have gave because they felt guilty. Someone might have gave because, wow, I want to help. So whatever the motive is, that's your... not interested. But we're building a house that might change their life for eternity. In other words, what we just sowed into the kingdom of God for the gospel to be preached so people could be saved, so they could come in this. And when you get to heaven one day, they're not going to say, wow, you're a great rugby league player or you're a great musician. You know what they're going to say? Thank you for giving that dollar that someone came to from Brazil to, to give me a dollar to save my life. That's the crown of glory. That's the crown that God wants to give you. That's the mindset. So whenever I talk about crown, I'm talking about mindset. I'm talking about the attitude of your mind. That's what I'm talking about. True? Next one. The crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Now these are all in the New Testament. Paul is encouraging, you're going to get a crown. And he's like, okay, what, what am I going to do with a crown? <laughs> it's not so much a physical crown. It's a mindset or an authority or it's a mantle. Who knows what a mantle is? Okay. Who knows, who's, had, who's got a fireplace at home or seen a fireplace? Isn't there a fireplace? And above it, there's usually a shelf. You'd call it a shelf. No, maybe it's timber or out of sandstone and it covers the fireplace. Can you Google a fireplace? These people haven't lived. <laughs> they all live in American apartments in Parramatta somewhere, I think. Well, the mantle is usually the shelf that covers the top of the fireplace, the covering. When God anoints you, we call it the anointing, we call it the gift on your life, we call it the, 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 the mantle you walk under. Very big in the Old Testament. How they dressed was their mantle. The priest dressed a certain way, the beggar dressed a certain way. It was according to the mantle or the anointing. The mantle is the covering of the fireplace. The mantle is the headship. You are the head. He's the head and we're the body. True? Okay, just so you understand what I'm, where I'm getting at here. In here, 
I want to share something with you. Paul had an apostolic mantle or an apostolic headship. Paul could not have done what he could do in the earth just because of his knowledge. Paul knew the Old Testament back to front. He used it many times. But Paul, just based on knowledge, could not have fought the devil. Knowledge does not scare the devil. Knowing more scripture does not scare the devil. Faith in Christ scares the devil. Does that make sense? And here, look what he says here. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But Satan hindered us. Some of us would stop there and say, well, Satan's got an obstacle. I'll stop trying. But look what he says here. Now he encourages us again. For what is our hope but? See, the enemy might be blocking your blessings right now. Or the enemy might be hindering your walk right now. It's not over. Don't give up there. Don't throw in the towel there. Because your mindset is saying, I'm lost. You haven't lost. You might have stuffed up your life. I had a guy recently, I'm chasing him up. And he said to me, how are you? He's good, uncle. What's happening? I said, what's going on? He says, I've wrecked my life. I said, nothing's wrecked beyond repair. Because his mindset is, I've done this. I've gone too far. I've stuffed up. I can never come back. But see, the blood of Jesus can bring you home. The blood of Jesus can cover a multitude of sin. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've done. Because it's not over. And here he says, he hindered us. But then he says, for what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of rejoicing? It is even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For you are our glory and our joy. He's encouraging. See, let me say, you're going through hell and back. The devil's throwing stuff at you. And Paul's saying, stand firm, rejoice. I'm trying to get to you, but he's giving us an obstacle. But let me tell you something. God's crown of glory is upon you because when you rejoice to know that the victory is yours. That's what he's saying here. And then he says this on verse 20. He says, for you are glory and joy. You are the glory and joy of the Lord. What is the glory of the Lord? What is the joy of the Lord? See, a lot of people can be happy but have no joy. See, a lot of people can go out for the day, have a spend time, have a great time, come to church, have a great time. As soon as they get home, poof, depression hits them. Boof, anxiety hits them. Fear hits them. You have no joy. See, for the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the happiness of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. See, joy is within. What does it mean? How do I get the joy of the Lord? How do I get that joy? First of all, your mental, your headship, your mindset, you've got to know you have been set free, forgiven and saved. Don't ever forget what Jesus did on the cross. Because we tend to forget what he's done on the cross. But we don't just live at the cross. Everything comes from the cross. We live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's one thing he went to the cross and defeated the cross, but he defeated death, hell, and the grave. So whatever the enemy throws at you, stand firm in what the victory, have the joy of the Lord, rejoice in the time, sing song. That's what they did in the jail. We're in jail. Let's sing. What have we got to sing about? Just sing. I don't know if the singing was that bad that they let them go. <laughs> but see... The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my situation or circumstance, not my bank account, not where I live, not the economy. I, I've stopped looking at the economy. I've stopped looking at the news. I don't know what's going on. All I, about Trump only. But anyway, other than that, no one else. All right. Oh. But I'm not swayed by anything other than the joy of the Lord. 
He's my strength. Amen? Amen. He says we get that crown of joy, the, the, the crown of, right, of, of, of rejoicing. Some of you people need to get to start, start laughing again. Some of you guys are too miserable. I'm not trying to be rude, but you know, I get sick of hearing the same story 27 times. So please, you know, just, you know, get over yourself. Don't take yourself too serious. I don't. That's why I make it through life. <laughs> that's, you know, that's why I'm not a counsellor. <laughs> Tell me when it started. You know, I'd love to go see a counsellor just to torment them. <laughs> I actually did once. Just, okay, we won't go there. Just wanted to go and see him just to torment him. Start praying in tongues. Go, yep, he's definitely the popular. Start put me. They'll put me in a mental institution. <laughs> I did that once in the elevator. My wife, you know the cartoons, you know. There were some Arab people in the lift, and and I didn't know them. They didn't know me. So I start praying in tongues, just hoping that they might understand. You know, as a young believer, I said tongues for an unbeliever. You know the cartoons where your head goes into your body. That's my wife. I go. <laughs> And I said after, why did you do that? I go, well, they don't know what nationality was. He probably thought I was talking, you know. <laughs> Poor Janet. <laughs> Crown number three is the righteousness. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight. Awesome. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is very interesting. And if you read the next verse, I'll show you. Paul keeps saying to these guys, the coming of the Lord, you're going to see the Lord, the appearing of the Lord. They were living like he was coming back tomorrow. How, how would our Christian walk how would our Christian walk go if we believe that Jesus is actually coming back? <laughs> that we just, oh yeah, he's coming back one day. But we live like he's coming back tomorrow. Because that's how we should live. We don't say, sell our house and just live in the farm and wait for the rapture. <laughs> that's what some people want to do, the escapism. I want to go through the tribulation, but we'll have an argument later about the rapture. And all. I'm joking. But what I'm saying is some people want escapism. Please, Lord Jesus, come. Every time the interest rates go up. Lord Jesus, come. If he's going to come, why'd you buy the house? You're not taking it with you. Contrary to people think, you're not taking nothing with you. But he says that, that not only would I get this crown of righteousness, and so to you who long for his appearing. How do you get righteousness in the New Testament, guys? We are saved by grace and not by works. So it's through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And righteousness is a gift. Can't obtain it. They used to try and obtain righteousness through the law. What did Paul say? We are at the end of the law, dead to the law, unto righteousness. People say, we're not under law, we're under grace. That's true. People throw out the law. You can't. I cannot get righteous for keeping the law, but the law is still holy. And it's my, God, it's my God, it's my boundaries. Because no one in the New Testament says, oh, now I'm under grace, I can kill someone. Commit adultery. Think of it. Stop laughing. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. How are you? Good? I haven't seen you for a while. What do you mean? Are you doing good? 
Uh, well, I met your lovely lady I met her a few weeks ago. But the law is holy. But I don't keep the law to be righteous. Don't swear. Don't do this. That, that doesn't make me righteous. People say, well, I haven't murdered anyone today. People say to me all the time, I haven't murdered anyone. I'm not a murderer. Oh, good on you. Mate. You want a reward for doing what's right? I haven't, I haven't committed adultery this, this week. I go, well done. <laughs> like, the law is holy. But I can't keep a, a law, a Ten Commandments or the, the, the Jewish law to be righteous. But when God changed my nature, guess what? The law is fulfilled in Christ in me. So now my nature has changed. Now the law is written on my heart. I don't need a tablet to tell me don't sin. Because I know when I sin, conviction comes. And I've got the crown of righteousness. Are you with me? The crown is for those who are long for his coming. What does it mean by longing for his coming? I want to do everything I possibly can so when he comes, I can see him. He can look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because whether he comes in my lifetime or whether I die and go to, I'm still going to see him. Either way. Amen? That's the next one. The crown of glory. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 4. I'm only just reading the little scriptures because it, I could preach on every chapter all through the day and we'll be here till next Sunday. And I don't know. Did I give you that scripture? First Peter chapter 5. And now this one here is this scripture is actually talking to the elders of the church, bishops, apostles, preachers, but it applies to anyone who wants to serve Jesus. Okay? He says here I'll just read it, guys, don't worry. And when the, because everyone's reading their Bibles, look. And when, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And here he's referring to the elders and the bishops of his day. But it's anyone, listen to me, it's anyone who is serving Jesus. He's referring in this case, for me, people like myself who have a flock to look after them, to teach them the right way, not to pervert them, not to hurt them, and, because, and then I will receive the, the glory. The word glory here, the word, um, the crown of glory is, is um, the, the image of God. His glory. We look at the glory, that's it. See, his glory does not fade away. Remember Stephen getting stoned? And he said, I see in Acts they're stoning him and he says, he says, I was able, the heavens opened up and I saw the glory of the Lord and I saw the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of the Father. He saw the glory of God. What did he see? He saw God in his nature and his character. The glory of the Lord. He wants to put that glory on you. The crown of glory. Not a glory cloud. And I'm talking about the, the nature of God. When you walk into a room, does the atmosphere change? When you walk in the room, do you bring healing and wholeness? Do you bring love and mercy? Do you bring healing and deliverance? Or are you a blessing when you leave? Some people are a blessing when they leave. <laughs> That's the crown of glory. His great splendor, his brilliance. See, when Jesus manifests himself, Jesus wants to manifest himself to us, through us. We wear his crown of glory. We have to see him like we... Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father in his glory. He's getting stoned. He's not getting little pebbles hit, boulders, and they stone him to kill him. And he's getting whacked by these stones. 
and he saw the glory of the Lord. Was he, was he worried about the stones now? He saw the great image of Jesus, and he gave up his spirit. Amen. That's the truth of the glory. When, when Moses saw, he says, I want to show me your face, Lord. He goes, I can't show you my face and live, so I'll show you my hind the parts, my behind, my, I'll walk past you and I'll show you. And then he, Moses' face shone like the sun, and the glory of the Lord was like, he had to put a veil on him because they couldn't see him. He had an encounter with the glory of God. We need to start having encounters with the glory of God. But it doesn't come because you want it. It doesn't come because you need it. It comes through faith and obedience, looking after one another. See, God doesn't pour out his spirit on immature people because the anointing will kill you. The annoying will destroy you. The fifth one, the crown of life. See, there's five different crowns. We can say it many different ways. But what are you, what hat are you wearing? Where is your mindset when things happen? When things don't go to plan, what, you, what comes out of you? What is your thought pattern? Because we need to understand him through him. We do all things. Pain and suffering is going to come. Contrary to popular teaching out there, come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I'm saved, but the world's going to throw everything at you. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Not he who just starts, it's how you finish. Because I want to get what's rightfully mine. Here in the crown of life, it says, what are we? Uh, Revelations 2.10. Do not fear any of those things which are about, you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days, but be faithful until death. Until death, and I will give you the crown of life. James 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, sometimes your tribulation, or say it this way, sometimes what you're going through, God hasn't, God hasn't ordained it to do it to you, to test you. People get that wrong. God can allow it, or what you're going through, so you can get through it. In other words, you don't know what's in you till you've been tested. You don't know how you're going to stand till you've been through something. Because God's not saying, I'm doing it to you. But he, what he is saying, in this world, you will have trouble. So, like, a, like a, I say it this way. If you do everything for your kids and you don't let them go through stuff, then you're going to gonna have 21-year-old babies. Why? Because they haven't been through nothing. Because mom and dad always gets, gets me out of trouble. But Jesus and the Father here know what's coming against us. And he will never allow it to, get to, to, to destroy us. And he doesn't tempt you with evil. Someone said to me once, you know what, God's tempting me. He wants to see if I can break this cycle of addiction. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. where are you going? He goes, I'm going back into the places I came out of. I go, no, no, you're not. He thought that that's his temptation, that's his test. I go, no, God doesn't send you back to the devil so you can be destroyed. <laughs> sit down, bro, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down there. God doesn't tempt evil, nor can he be tempted with evil. Get that rubbish out of your head. But whatever you're going through, 
Whatever you're going through, God's allowing you to go through that so you can teach that problem a lesson. Who he's been around long enough to know that certain things that used to, to disturb your life and, and hold you back in life. Today you look back at it, there's certain things in my life, I go, man, that was just like a mountain to cry, climb. Right, here we go again. Oh, again. And then you look back down and think, man, I got over that hurdle. And when that, those things happen to me now, I know how to deal with it because I already beat them for the first time. Amen. See, sometimes we go through stuff. But see, the problem is, woe me. Look at me. And God doesn't want you to be there because he's going to give you the crown of life. You know what the life is? He's not talking about eternal life. He's not even talking about life here. He's talking about the life of Christ in you. See, we operate in the kingdom of God. And it operates differently than the kingdom of this world. That's why he says, love your neighbor. Huh? Bless those who curse you. Huh? <laughs> Pray for those who despitefully use you. Huh? You know, despitefully use you. You know what that really means? The people that's closer to you that come against you. <laughs> we'll stop right there and we'll go home now and think about that. Because you know why? No one wants to go. Because if someone offends me and I don't know them, whoop you do. But when someone close to you offends you or does something against you, how do we react? How do we react? That's a big problem. If someone judges me outside, Shake it off. But when your brother judges you or your sister judges you, what does that feel like? They come against you. But you know what? Can you stand firm because he has the crown of life in you? You might have been praying and praying and praying and you've seen nothing. You know what? Keep on praying. But don't beg God for things. I never beg God for a thing. I never, never complain to God for a thing. I have a lot of complaints in my heart, trust me. But I don't complain to God. You know what I say? I declare the truth about God and his word. See, see I, I come to God real and not pretend. I don't come there holier than thou and use a scripture to come. No, no, I'm, Tony comes to God, not a pretender. Because I know me better than you know me. And I need Tony to die, that, that he may live. See, whatever you're going through right now, listen to me. Whatever you're going through now, go through it with him. Because when you come out the other side and you look back and you think, wow. Old things have passed away, man. I don't know a lot of you here, I've seen your growth. Some people say, oh, I'm not growing, but I've seen your growth. You see, there's a glory. There's a, there's, there's, God has not left us as orphans. He's given us a crown, a mantle, a mindset. See, you complain to me about your problem once, I'll listen. You complain to me twice, I'll listen. Three times, you're out. Three strikes, you're out. Do something different that you normally would do. Amen. Thank you, sister. <laughs> do something contrary and an opposite spirit. What do they say? The, defin of in the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over again and get a different result. You're not going to get a different result. Do something opposite than what you're normally to do. Paul says in the first scripture, I subject my body, all right, I subject it. You know what he does? He says, I crush it into the obedience to do what I'm doing. In other words, if I want a goal, you speak to all these sportsmen and make, they, they lose family members just to achieve their goal. I'm not saying to do that, relax. But I'm saying that's the mindset we've got to have. When Jesus, uh, see, Paul cannot be swayed by the apostles or by the devil. 
Paul, oh, Paul, you know, you, some of the things you write, we don't understand. None of your business. I'm writing them anyway. Because Paul understood. He saw the Lord. He got taught by the Lord. He had a vision and he was never going to stop for no man. He was uncontrollable. The Apostle Paul was uncontrollable. That's why a messenger of Satan was sent to him. To, to, he was a thorn in his flesh to buffet him for his revelation. He was trying to buffet him. You know what that means? He was trying to bring him to a place of turmoil so he could stop talking. And he didn't stop talking. Even when they put him in jail, he preached and got everyone saved in the jail. See, the quickest way you know where you're at is when the same problem happens and you have the same result and the same reaction to that problem or that thought pattern or that mindset. See, I've stopped listening to, to me. See, I've stopped listening to my mind. The natural mind. I have to get in the spirit. I have to ask God, what do you say about this situation? Why you got me here, Lord? He goes, because I've got a crown for you if you get over this. Hallelujah. I'm lonely. Pray with me to get a partner. No, get over your loneliness and God will give you a partner. Because your partner is not a crutch for you to get over your loneliness. A broken piece and another broken piece doesn't make a, a whole, piece, whole piece. Two broken pieces, you get a nice mosaic. That's a idea. <laughs> but this is practical stuff, yeah? This is not spiritual stuff that's coming from heaven. I hope. This is stuff that God is trying to teach us. Because I'll tell you why. We have been bombarded with so much information now. So much information. No one really knows what they believe anymore. But if I've got time with the Lord and he showed me what's to come and I'm prepared to go through the fight, guess what? You'll win. So you have to be prepared to go through something. If you're not prepared to go through anything, I love these people that get married now and go, oh, it's going to have a great, I've married the, the, my soulmate, the love of my life and everything's going to be great. And then the first week there's a kitchen. And there's a laundry, and there's a, there's a bathroom, and rubbish to take out. What's that? It's called a vacuum, sweetheart. A vacuum. <laughs> and then they have kids. And then, do you know how much school fees cost these days? Well, sell your $120,000 car and pay the school fees. I'm not picking on anyone, you relax. You get what I'm trying to say? Life hits you. And the, but when you understand the battles ahead of you and things are going to come your way and God is with you, if God be for you, who can be against you? And you can go through those. And sometimes you don't know the battle, but you start and you walk in faith and you get good people around you full of faith. See, all these things only come through one thing, faith. But how do I get faith if I don't spend time in his word? How do I understand? Last week we talked about the crown of thorns. That blessed me, some of the things that God was showing me. And now the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness, the, clown, uh, the, cr the cr clown, the crown. The crown just symbolic is, what is my mind saying? What is my mind saying? What is your mind telling you right now? Because everything I ever received from God, can I, can I say this? I... I, I Everything I've ever received from God, I gave it back to God. 
If God blesses me financially, I said, Lord, this is your money. What do you want me to do? Lord, you bless me with three beautiful boys. Lord, they're yours. What do you want them to do? I'm giving them over back to you. See, if you hold on to anything, you can't let God do it. I've dedicated my kids to the Lord. My wife and I, we dedicated them to the Lord. We gave our life to the Lord. And we said, whatever comes our way, we are yours. You do what your will. Why? Why am I saying that? Because in Revelations 4.10, look what it says here. It says, 4.10, yeah. the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And they casted their crowns before the throne saying, and verse 11, oh, it's up there. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power for you have created, created all things and by your will they exist and were created. It's all for him. You know, it's all for him. Everything we do here is for him. But he's not a tyrant or a, a, you know what he does? He shares his glory with us. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs, not just co, co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted and he calls us sons and daughters now. In other words, what's he doing? In the Jewish tradition, the older son gets everything from the father. And Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. And guess what he said? And I give it unto you. But what, is about the, what are we going to do about the father's business? What, is it, what does it go about the father's business? What does it mean that I serve the kingdom of God? How am I going to get all these crowns? What do I want to do a crown for? You know what all this is? Is our reward. See, he's not just given us a crown at the end. He's given us a crown now. What's the crown? A mantle, a power to overcome every obstacle we come to. That's what he's trying to do. So I've got to start believing See, I can read something, I can be told something, but until I believe it, it's just words. True? Belief comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Okay. But I hear it every day. I still don't believe it. So what's, my, what's the problem? The Word or me? But He gave us a Holy Spirit to show us the way, to guide us into truth. But if you don't give him five seconds of your day, how are you going to be shown the truth? Because my mind can go a hundred different ways. Your mind can go a hundred different ways. And what happens? You take off the crown of glory, you put on the, the crown of depression, the crown of hopelessness, the crown of trauma, the crown of, of, of not worthy. The crown of sin and mistakes. Oh, you don't know what I've done, Tony. You don't know how I've lived my life. He goes, but he's trying to, but he, he does know what you went through. Because the thorns are the curse. And he took the curse to give you his blessing. And it all starts with your mind. It all starts with your mind. But how do I renew my mind if I don't put something in my mind? People say, well, I haven't got time to read. Well, I'll beg to differ. You've got time to hear. You have time to watch. See, there's no excuses. Why? Because if it's that important to you, you'd make time. That's the truth. Let's be honest. That is, I could, that's the truth. Shared with someone the other day about that. He goes, oh, you know, I find it hard. I haven't got time. And, and you know, I've got 10 kids. And, well, she hasn't got 10 kids, but, you know, just trying to make the story look sound better. 
And I said, you went, no, I say this a lot to my family too, so just not picking on everyone, I pick on my family the most. You went on a Monday night after a big weekend to a wake to pay your respects to someone your parents know. You don't even know them. Out of respect, he said, yeah. So you made time for that, and you walked in the line, and out the door. Yeah. So you did something you didn't want to do, you were tired to do it, but you did it anyway, but you haven't got time to open your Bible. But you made time for something out of respect for your parents, which I don't have an issue with, but what you love before, everyone's done it. Everybody here's done it. Well, if you're a wog, you've done it, you know. But when it comes to the Word of God, I haven't got time. When it comes to fellowship, I haven't got time. There's kind of, it's dialogue about the Word. I haven't got time. There's no more excuses. In your car, iPod, iPhone, Bluetooth, my butter ash, all this other stuff, you know, like <laughs> horn, I don't know, can of a string, anything. See, what you put in, you'll get out. Let's be honest. God loves you. God loves you. But if you think Sunday and Wednesday is enough, you're totally mistaken. This should be a celebration. This should be us celebrating what God's doing in our life during Monday to Friday. But half the time we're fixing up all your problems from Monday to Friday. (laughs) That's the truth. It's the truth. Is it true or not? Is it true or not, Dylan? Dylan told me once, no, I'm joking. We've got to get practical. We've got to stop looking so, we get so spiritual and we, 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 we forget the small things. We want the major things and we forget the minor things. Sometimes just dedication. Enjoy. What did you hear so far? Perseverance, long suffering, faithfulness. Just stay, just come without missing. I had a guy told me once, I want to do what you do. I go, all right, six weeks. No, I want to come forever. Bro, six weeks. Just give me six weeks. No, no, bro, all right, relax. Six weeks. Come six weeks and then we'll do another six weeks and I'll sit with you, talk with you, we'll disciple you. Two weeks, then we came back. Then he came back. Sorry, bro. I had a few things. All right, start again. Okay, no, that's it. I'm here. I'm not leaving. Give me six weeks. Done. Two weeks, it was gone again. He came back again. Let's try again. No worries, bro. Six weeks. One week. <laughs> it's, we laugh, but it's sad. Had so much, God had so much calling on this guy. He just couldn't, just couldn't let go of the world. He couldn't do six weeks. Just come six weeks. I want to, no, no, just come and sit. I want nothing from you. Just come and sit. Because you know what? If you can break that cycle and just keep coming, guess what happens? There's a hunger that builds on the inside of you. So consistency is the greatest, listen to me, consistency is the greatest tool to overcome. Just be consistent. Because you're not, you're not movable. You're not shakable. We all could have something better to do. I'm not having a go at people that are going to come every two weeks, like, some joke. Is everyone duck? I want to finish off with this because I think I've lost the plot a bit today. There was a story that the kingly crown is not just a heavenly crown. It's an earthly position. 
Your mindset is very important. We can talk about the things of the Spirit. We can talk about all that. But if you've been here long enough, you, how much have we fed you? Let's be honest. But sometimes you've got to go back to basics. Go back to basics and see that the crown God's given me now is the mantle to overcome. Do you think you're righteous? Do you have joy? Do you understand the glory of the Lord? Do you understand any of this? See, what do you want from God? You know what breaks Jesus' heart? When he comes to them and they don't receive him. For, but those who do receive him, I called you sons and daughters, he says. And there was an issue in the Bible, and I'll finish off with this. If anyone, I, I find this very fascinating. If anyone in the Bible could ask God for something and God should have gave it, it was Joseph in the Bible, the Old Testament. Remember Joseph? He had the... Um, he had got dreams when he was about 18 years old. God had called him. Jacob's favourite son. Made him a coat of many colours. You probably saw the play. You know, Prince of Egypt, the cartoon and all that. It was based on Joseph, the son of, Dave, uh, of Jacob. And he had these dreams and he told his brothers about it, told his parents about it and they got jealous of him. They finally had enough of him and they grabbed him, ripped the coat off him and they wanted to kill him. And then they said, don't kill him. They threw him in a pit. And what they did, they sold, him, they sold him into slavery. And they ripped up his coat, dipped it in animal's blood and took it to their dad as he got killed by a beast. Anyway, Joseph gets, goes down, he ends up in, um, in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And Potiphar, uh, he was a slave. And then he ended up being in charge of Potiphar's, all of his affairs, like of the house, running the business and all that. But Potiphar's wife liked him. And she kept coming to him and he would not go near her. And finally, she was trying to seduce him. And then finally, she rips his jacket off him or his cloak and says he tried to rape me and they throw him in the dungeon. He actually says to her, how can I sin against my God and sin against my master? And that was before Ten Commandments, before there was anything about adultery. What kind of a character was this guy? He gets thrown in a pit. He was 18 when he saw these visions and dreams of God. Now he's in a pit, he's in jail. They reckon it's 10 years, I think from memory, about 10 years. And then... There's two people in jail, the butler and the, um, the baker. They have dreams and he interprets their dreams. He's a dream interpreter. He says, you're going to die and you're going to live. But when you get out, please tell the Pharaoh what I've done. He forgot about him. One died, one lived. He got out. And then one day the king, Pharaoh, had a dream. He says, I had this dream. It's disturbing me. Tell me my dream. And his magicians, his sorcerers, his, his, um, you know, his spiritual advisors said, well, tell us the dream so we can interpret it. He goes, nah, you tell me what I dreamt. He goes, no one can do that. He goes, nah. But then the butler turns around and says, listen, I was in jail and a guy interpreted my dream. And he's a Hebrew guy. So he calls him out. They dress him up, clean him up. He's been in jail for 10, 15 years, whatever. Gets out and he says, I'll have a dream. And he goes, oh, I can't interpret. See, when he was 18, I can do this and I can do that. Now he's been broken, been in jail, his whole life's a mess. And then he says, I can't do that. Only God can interpret dreams. So let me see what God says. There's no difference between I can do it and God can do it through me. Anyway, he interprets his dream. He tells him exactly what's going on. Seven years of famine, seven years of blessing, blah, 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 blah. Now he's second in charge. He's promoted him. Second in charge. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. The, the, the greatest empire of the world of, of those days. So he's gone from the pit to the palace. All right? But imagine his mind. My brothers sold me. They were going to kill me. They sold me into slavery. 
If everyone needs to be offended, it's him. If everyone needs to have unforgiveness, it's him. I will kill him. No, no, I will just sell him. And finally, now he's in this and there's a famine hits. Everything that Joseph said happened. And then there's a famine throughout the whole world. Now his brothers, he hasn't seen them for 15 years. Their dad sends them out to get food. They come to buy grain and Joseph recognizes them. Long story short, he sees them, his brothers, they don't recognize him. Finally, he reveals himself to him and they fell on their knees thinking he's going to kill them. He says, no, what you meant for evil, God turned for good. And then he gets his, he goes, is there a brother? It's a long story, but it's a beautiful story. Long story short, he brings his father. His father gets to see him. And he has a brother now. His mother had passed, Benjamin. Now he brings his, now, now, now listen to this. Joseph now is married. He married one of the Egyptian girls. He's got two sons. And in the tradition of the Hebrew, the father always gives a blessing to the son or the grandfather. He wants to bless the son. He wants to crown the kids and, and their anointing. He comes up. Listen to this. So the old man Jacob is old. He can hardly see. And he stands there and he brings his two sons. Now, the right hand of the father always blesses is the blessing. Gets the major blessing in the tradition. He brings his older son up. He brings his younger son up. And Joseph's standing behind them. Now, jo Jacob's there. And all of a sudden, instead of blessing them, he crossed his hands and blessed them. And he says, but dad, that's my older son. You're like, you've crossed your hands. He goes, that's right. God wants the younger son to receive the double portion, not the older son. He'll be blessed, and he crossed his hands. He thought his dad was old and frail, but he knew what he was doing. You know who he was a picture of? That even Joseph couldn't ask God who should be blessed and who shouldn't be blessed. Joseph, if, like I said, if anyone deserves what he had been through and stayed faithful, it was Joseph. But you know what happened? God, Jacob was a type and shadow that God would send the cross. And the first man, Adam, lost the blessings. The second man, Adam, would get the double portion blessing. The second son, not the first son. The first, Adam, first son represents the law. The second son represents grace. When he crossed his arms, he showed him the cross of Calvary, that Jesus is crossed. Jesus is who would gather the cross and be crowned king of kings. See, God blesses who he wants to bless. And our job is to know that he wants to bless us. Because you know what happens after the cross? We all get the favor of the Lord. The crown of thorns are all for you. But are you willing to stand firm in faithfulness and in truth? Because you know what? No one can please God except through faith. It's impossible to please God unless it's through faith. But go, well, I have faith for a car and I've got a car. Does that please God? No. <laughs> faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Faith that he's my provider. Faith that I can do all things through Christ who strength. It's in Christ I have my faith. And all these things will be added unto me. Amen? Amen? Endure to the end. Endure to the end. See, no matter what comes your way, I want to encourage you today. God has placed a mantle in your mind. If you feed on his word, you can get through anything. Yeah, but sometimes it's not easy. Hey, I can, be, I can vouch to that. But hey, would you have it any other way? Would you like to work through, walk through the shadows of death without Christ? I don't want to. I don't know how you live your life without Jesus. I just don't know how you do it. But he loves you. He died for you. See, the greatest thing in, in, in our faith, in our Christian faith, is everyone's trying to get to God. Every religion's trying to get to God. Every religion's trying to please God. But God says, oh, you cannot please me through your name. So he came down to us and paid a price we could not pay. 
that he can take habitation of us and live in us so he can walk with us and teach us. I'll become your God and you'll become my friend, my son. Amen? Amen. Can we stand? What crown are you going to leave here tonight with? What are you prepared to believe? I shared last week that all the little problems, all the little fires I had in my life. And I was trying to fix them. I was trying to rectify them. I was trying to put them to bed. And guess what? Once under, I understood my sonship, which means once I understood that God loved me as a son, adopted me in his family and gave me his name, all these other little fires went away. Because why? I'm a son. I walk with my head held high. Not just a son as in a male, sons and daughters. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a gender, it's a position. I walk in the knowledge listen to me I walk in the knowledge and the freedom that I'm set free and I am a son that sounds simpler, simple yeah but it's not to some people see I had to take off the crown of disappointment from parents or take off the crown of disappointments from friendships I had to take the crown of, 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 of expectation and, 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 and of evil and of sin and of wrong thinking. Those have to come off so I can wear the crown of glory. The, the crown of sonship. See, people want God as their provider, but He has to be your Lord. People want Him as your healer, but He has to be your Lord. We know God is so good. And, you know, we might think, oh, but you don't know what I've been through. I don't. I don't, under, I don't underestimate what you've been through. And I don't, I don't deny what you've been through. But have you been through it? Or are you still there? See, trauma is the greatest obstacle to your destination. What I've done or what someone's done to me can be your greatest obstacle. But God's saying to you, I've set you free. I remove every landing block, every stumbling block that's in your way. And he fights with you. If, if, if God be for you, who can be against you? We've got to believe the truth. I had this young guy come to me once and he was crying, big Fijian guy, crying like a baby. He was a believer, but I don't know what he believed. He kept saying, I'm illegitimate, I'm illegitimate, I'm illegitimate. And I'm praying for him, praying for him. Mate, it was like a brick wall, crying like a baby. I'm illegitimate. And I said, mate, why do you keep saying that? He tells me how he, tells me how he was conceived. That, you know, I don't know my dad, my mum, one night standing in a car, and this is what happened to me, and I'm illegitimate, and I'm, I'm this and that. And I said, well, I looked him straight in the eye. I said, brother, look at me. If, you tend, if you're going to keep on believing that, that's who you really are. I said, oh, I'm, I'm, look, me, look me in the eyes. And he looks me in the eyes. And I said, you know what? I was born to a mum and dad, but I was still illegitimate. He goes, how? He goes, because without the blood of Jesus, we're all illegitimate. I guess stop listening to, listening to religious people telling, talking garbage to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I touched his head and the Holy Spirit hit him, knocked him out and they, on the ground, started speaking in tongues full of the Holy Spirit. See, he was in church in a traditional church all his life. 
And he knew the gospel to the point where he couldn't receive it. Why? Because that's all he ever heard, that he's illegitimate. See, but when the crown of forgiveness came, when the crown of thorns got taken off him, guess what? He, got, he received the mercy of God. See, it wasn't that God wouldn't set him free, is that he wouldn't believe that he could be set free. And most of us don't believe God's going to set us free. Most of us don't believe God can use us. Most of us don't think God can take away our shame and guilt. Most of us don't think God can take us to another place. Most of us don't think, we, oh, this is where I am. This is the lot God gave me. This is where I'm staying. No, it's not true. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I saw in four years in Brazil, four years were there, four years ago, I saw 15-year-olds and, and adults that were broken or barely eaten now have got businesses and, 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 and they're in uni and they're studying. I saw how a touch of the gospel and a touch of compassion and a touch of love can change someone's life. I saw that in four years. I saw it with my own eyes. And God can do it for you too. Stop change. Stop. Paul says, I don't clutch at store. I don't, I don't shadow box. I don't fight from my hands in the air for no reason. See, some of us are clutching at things. That, oh, that's, that guy over there is anointed. I'll go to him. And that guy over there is, I'll go to him. And that guy over there, and you're putting on different hats and you don't know what you believe anymore. See, the tree is only good depending on the soil that it's planted in. You've got to be plant yourself so the nutrition can come. It's the truth, man. See, you can't work outside the body and you can't work separate to the body nor can the body control you we have to work together it goes both ways so tonight let's take off the crown of thorns because those crown of thorns are not yours Jesus took them and Jesus takes the crown of thorns the, the crown of Adam the crown of the earth the carnal mind he took them and, that, and killed it and, and broke them so he can give you his crown the crown of glory the crown of righteousness the crown of holiness. Hallelujah. It's what? It's according to what you're willing to believe. So Father, I thank you tonight that our minds are renewed to the mind of Christ. That you've placed the mantle upon us, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness, the crown of peace. Lord, that we fight the good fight of faith, just like Paul, that we can keep the faith and receive a crown that does not perish. I thank you, Father, you have never left us nor forsaken us. And I thank you, Jesus, that you would speak to every heart of every person here tonight. You have risen and gone before them. You're the, you've ordained their steps. That your love and mercy will pour upon them. Father, I come against every the wrong thought, every imagination, even, even traumas that have hit their lives and their mind does not forget it. Father, I ask you to erase those memories in Jesus' name. I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to give strength for those who are weary right now. Some people feel, feel like giving up, Father. I thank you that you strengthen them in the inner man, that you pour out your spirit upon them. Strengthen these young men and young women, Father. Father, I thank you that you would give a, a filter on their mind to, to, so they can filter what they see and what they hear. For the devil's been speaking, but you crushed his head. Jesus stepped on the head of the devil. 
They took back the kingship that Adam lost. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're touching everyone's hearts right now. Thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us. Thank you, Lord, that you're growing us up, that you've seated us in heavenly places, that we receive what the Lord has for us. Serve Him no matter what. We don't stop. But Lord, I ask you to empower my brothers and sisters right now. That you heal those brokenhearted. You seal the wounds. Let the Spirit of grace come upon them. I break any spiritual addictions, Father, in Jesus' name. People that are addicted, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Peace of the Lord be upon them right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Let your spirit flow. We thank you, Lord. Those who don't know you, that you would draw them to you right now in Jesus' name. That would, the forgiveness is on a platter to receive. Repent, he says, and receive the kingdom of God. I give you praise, Lord. I give you thanks, Father. We lift up holy hands and we say thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Father. You are our head. You're our covering. Thank you, Father. We don't want to follow the crowd. We want to follow the cloud. His presence. We don't care what everyone else is doing. We only care what Jesus asked us to do. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You good? Walk out of here with the king's crown. Amen. 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 Bless you.